now, The Federal Drive with Tom Temin on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, underwritten by Impress Technology Solutions and Dell EMC. Glad you're with us on this Monday, May 6th, 2019. Six minutes past the hour, I'm Jared Serby, filling in for Tom Temin. Our producers are Lauren Larson and Eric White. Our digital editors are Amelia Brust and David Thornton. Coming up on this hour of the Federal Drive, large defense contractors are working with smaller ones to help shore up the Pentagon's supply chain. Also, the details behind one of the biggest Medicare fraud schemes in the nation's history. Those stories and much more ahead during this hour of the Federal Drive. First up, though, a new executive order officially sets up a program that's long been discussed around the federal community, but it's never become a reality until now. The EO creates a cybersecurity workforce rotational assignment program that allows cyber experts from other agencies to detail to the Department of Homeland Security and vice versa. And the Defense Department has signed a new agreement to use a reskilling program from the Office of Personnel Management. Federal News Network's Nicole Agrisco joins me now to talk about some of those developments and what they mean for the federal workforce. Hey there, Nicole. Hey, Jared. So let's start with uh, the, this cyber EO. First of all, what, what are some of the key features there that, uh, that, that, that were signed into existence last week? Well, like you mentioned, the rotational program is really the key feature. I think it allows specifically cyber and IT experts from other federal agencies to come into the Department of Homeland Security, specifically the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure and Security Agency, and then vice versa. So experts that DHS has, and in theory, they have more than perhaps some of these smaller agencies, they would go on little mini details, basically, and help out other agencies. At the same time, I think the goal is to spread some of the spread some of this expertise around and train others which has really been a, a you know key goal for the Trump administration the other thing about this is is that the executive order really pushes the National Institute of Standards and Technologies National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education framework the nice framework it wants some of those terms and the language that's associated with that framework to be incorporated into IT and cybersecurity contract language, and then really wants those that terminology to be incorporated in job positions and other things as agencies attempt to recruit and bring more cyber talent on. The other piece of this is that the executive order tasks multiple agencies, DHS included, but also the Office of Personnel Management, to come up with a list of aptitude tests that they might use to see whether employees who don't necessarily have cyber expertise now, whether they might have the skills to maybe learn it in the future. And we've seen some of that so far with the Cybersecurity Reskilling Academy. That's something the administration launched last year and actually just recently opened up a second cohort. And they're using a similar assessment there. And then the other key thing with this executive order, I would say, is it creates the annual President's Cup cybersecurity competition. And the goal there is to get people who do have this expertise already to really kind of compete with each other and get competitive and come up with new initiatives or innovations that maybe agencies haven't seen. It's supposed to be an annual thing. They're going to model it after other competitions and, and, you know, prize challenges that agencies have run in the past. The rotational assignments piece of this is interesting, and it's interesting that they kind of made CISA sort of the belly button of all this. And and can we tell whether they're trying to use CISA itself to train people from other parts of the government to 
you know, obtain better cyber skills? Or is that, or is it they're kind of the opposite where they're trying to draw in the best and the brightest from other agencies because CISA needs help? It's kind of unclear. And I think it's unclear because we don't necessarily have updated numbers as to how many exactly cyber vacancies there are either within DHS and CISA or across government more broadly. I think the last figure we heard on this was some 6,000 cyber vacancies, but that was during the Obama administration. The Trump administration did, though, say that there's 300,000 cyber practitioner vacancies across the federal government, state, local governments, and then the private sector as well. So that's a really wide scope there of, of vacancies that they envision. But I think perhaps what might get to an answer to your question is the capabilities and the authorities that DHS is developing for cyber professionals. They've been working on this cybersecurity uh, personnel system for over a year at this point. And apparently it's almost ready for prime time. And the goal there is that they would pay ban some of these cybersecurity experts and use a variety of other incentives that maybe they can't necessarily offer others. So I think that could be a piece as well. The administration did say that they're interested in looking at that DHS cyber personnel system maybe as a pilot uh, and maybe extend some of those recruitment incentives to other agencies too. All right, let's mention that DOD. Let's get to that DOD uh, OPM partnership that we talked about earlier, the cyber reskilling program. What, what What's that going to entail? Well, this is interesting. So OPM has a platform that's called USA Learning. It is a shared services center, and it basically provides training and education resources for agencies. It's an acquisition vehicle. It does all kinds of things. But DOD has agreed to use it, which is a big step given DOD's just overall size. And what's interesting to this is that it's actually part of DOD's larger effort to consolidate roughly 1,800 separate business systems that DOD's chief management office has been identifying over the past year. And they see they don't have an exact target goal for how many business systems they want to get down to necessarily, but they did identify that this education and training portfolio was a weakness. And specifically, they have 50,000 known learning courses across DOD. They're separately managed in different ways, and they're under 161 distinct learning management systems. And I think the sense there is that that's just simply too much. You know, one good example is that there's 500 different Excel training courses across DOD. There probably doesn't need to be 500 of them. So the plan here is to use OPM's USA Learning platform to tap into some of the expertise that OPM has developed in this. And then specifically, OPM is going to do a couple of different things. They're going to design a common core curriculum for specific skill competencies. So they're going to come up with some training and classes that might be best to you know, accelerate your learning on a particular skill. And then they're going to also work on a, a common records management system. One challenge that DOD and OPM talked about was that often employees will take training and then they'll move to another job. And the training they took at the old job doesn't necessarily apply to the new job. So they're spending time and money doing the same things over and over again. And they see this records management piece as a, a way to consolidate and better keep track of that. It's interesting that OPM is opening up this, what what sounds like a fairly big line of business with DOD as its biggest customer at a time when the administration seems to be trying to wind down OPM, partly because one of its biggest line of businesses, uh, security clearances, is going to DOD. Yes, that's a good point. Um, we do know that 
USA Learning falls under what's called HR Solutions. And under the Trump administration's reorganization proposal, HR Solutions would move to the General Services Administration. Got so it. we don't know a ton about what that move looks like. In theory, we don't even necessarily know if that move is still going to happen. Um, I think we're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks as OPM is supposed to testify on their plan for this uh, at the end of May. So we'll see what the plans might be there. But in theory, this whole entity would move to another agency and the people and the expertise that OPM currently has would move to GSA. All right. Federal News Network's Nicole Agrisco. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jared. And you can find Nicole's stories on both these topics at federalnewsnetwork.com. And still ahead on Federal News Radio, details behind one of the biggest Medicare fraud schemes in the nation's history. This is The Federal Drive with Tom Temin on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu filling in for Tom. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.